That's that. Okay, good, good things, good things. So Nehemiah chapter 6, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, and it's been an incredible journey. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed uh, preparing. I've enjoyed just reading God's Word and reading this narrative about Nehemiah and the call that God placed upon his life, and I'm looking forward to sharing today what, what God's put on my heart to, to share with you this morning. And, and, and so like I, I hope and pray that you know that whatever I share with you, God's been teaching me and God's been working on me like all week. And, and so uh, I, I look forward to being able to uh, give that to you today. Uh, just by the way, I know some of you is like, hey, we just finished chapter four and now we're in chapter six. And some people are worried right now, like, what about chapter let me tell you what happened in chapter 5. Basically, Nehemiah has to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with all the nobles and leaders and things because they began to take advantage of other people. There was People were in poverty. People were uh, doing everything that they could to, to, to uh, sustain and to keep afloat and to provide for their families. Uh, and so other people began who had resources begin to take advantage of that, and they begin to give loans at high interest rates and things of that nature. And Nehemiah calls everybody together and says, hey, listen, we need to stop this, right? God's wanting to rebuild. God's wanting to do something fresh and anew, and we need to stop this, and we need to do the right thing. And so people repented, and they gave everything back to the people that had been taken from, and, and God continued to do a great work, okay? So now we're in chapter 6. And here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a word, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. We're going to talk about discernment. Everybody say discernment. Discernment's very, very important, all right? Now, let me ask you this question. Like, how many of you have ever had to make a big decision? That's kind of a dumb question, right? We all have big decisions at moments and times in life. Crossroads, if you will. And, and here's the truth of the matter. There can be moments and times in your life where there could be two right decisions, that gets really, really complicated. That gets really tough. I remember when uh, God called us to plant this church, and I, God put this on my heart, and I remember sharing this with Missy for the very first time, and, and, and the look on her face was just kind of like, I don't know what to say about that. Like, Because you know, I was saying, hey, listen, this is what God's called me to do, and this is going to be great, and it's going to be wonderful. But she starts to ask all these questions like, well, how are we going to do this, and how are we going to do that? I don't know. But like, all I know is that God's in this and it's going to happen. And like, her mind doesn't work that way. And, and we prayed about before we ever stepped out, we prayed for two years. God, I wanted us to be on the same page. I wanted her to be a part of what God was calling me to do because it takes both of us, right? And she's a huge part of what's happening and what's going on and what God had called us to our family. But I was at a place to where that I was secure. I was at a place to where that I was comfortable. I was at a place to where that I thought and viewed it as home. And I always thought that one day I'm going to be the pastor here and I'm going to spend the rest of my ministry here. And then one day I'm going to retire and I'm going to walk off into the sunset and enjoy the rest of the time that I have. That's my plan. That was my thought. And, and that was my understanding at that moment. And God wrecked those plans. God called me to something completely different and so while we're getting ready to step out into that, right, immediately I have an opportunity to be the pastor there, and then I'm completely bombarded. Would you stay? Would you stay? And then all these things that I'm worried about, things that I'm fearful about, because like I'm leaving something, right, something that is stable. I'm leaving salary. I'm leaving all those things. I'm going to nothing. And immediately I'm given this opportunity, would you stay? We'll pay you this, we'll do this, all those things. You'll have insurance, you'll have all those things. I have a young family, I have a lot of things to think about, right? 
And so like all those things, it was very, very, like I thought about it. It's like, God, I've always thought this is what I wanted. It would be much easier to do this than what you're calling me to do. It would be more comfortable to do this than what you're calling me to do. And I thought like I would still be preaching. I would still be teaching. I would still be challenging and, and, and leading our church. Like, but Lord, this just kind of makes more sense. And I struggled with that a little bit. But Lord, you're calling me to this. And no matter how much I think about this, you won't let this go. Like it's forever before me. It's all that you bring about in my heart and my mind. And Lord, I'm just going to have to trust you because I believe this is what you're calling me to do. And I want to tell you something, it was difficult, it was hard, but man, we had to really discern what God was leading us to do. And so it's important that we make good decisions. You're going to have big decisions in your life. You're going to have big decisions for your family. Sometimes you're going to have big decisions in your career. Sometimes you're going to have big decisions about where to live and where to go and all those different types of things. And we need discernment in our life to really allow God to lead the way and to ensure that we're walking where God wants us to walk and we're doing what God has called us to do. And those things are never easy and they're uncomfortable at times. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. So we're going to talk about discernment. This is exactly where Nehemiah's at. Again, I want you to think about this. Nehemiah is an ordinary guy. Again, I keep saying that week in, week out. He's an ordinary guy. There's nothing supernatural about Nehemiah other than his God. His God is great. His God is mighty. His God is able. His God goes before him. He understands that. He holds on to that. But he's just an ordinary guy, just like you and I. He's, he's got a great job. He's in the king's presence, right? The, the, and, and, and everything is going as planned in his life. Then he gets worried about what's happened in Jerusalem and how the walls are still in destruction. There's debris everywhere. There's devastation. There's hopelessness, right? People had, been, had returned to Jerusalem for over 100 years, and the walls were still in shambles. The city was in shambles. It was devastation everywhere. And when Nehemiah hears this, he doesn't say, Lord, please send somebody else, or I pray somebody you know, stands up and does something. He allows God to really stir his heart and God leads him to rebuild the walls. He wanted him to go and lead the way. God, I'll trust you. I'll follow you. And so he shares with the king. King gives him everything that he asked for. God's presence, God's power goes before him. Everybody's finding their place after he goes to Jerusalem and getting their work on on the wall, doing their part. And a beautiful thing is happening. And last week we talked about how they got halfway and then all of a sudden discouragement enters in, right? Discouragement takes place. And how discouragement can take our eyes off of the Lord and what God has called us to do. And in order to continue to do what God's called us to do, we're going to look and we're going to see in chapter 6 that we need discernment. We need discernment in our life. And Nehemiah, I about said Nehemiah or whatever, but Nehemiah demonstrated this, right? You just have to say, when I make up a word, you just have to say, bless him, Lord, right? So it's like, you just have to go with it, okay? But we're going to look and we're going to see how God continued to use him in a great way. So, again, one of the things that I want you to see is this from a spiritual battle perspective, okay? Because whenever God says, rise up and build, the enemy's going to say, rise up and what? Tear it down. Let's see what we can do to stop. Let's see what we can do to halt the work of God, the move of God. But again, I want us to be reminded when God opens the door, nobody can close it. And when God closes the door, nobody can open, right? The gates of hell cannot stand against the power of God. And we're in a real battle, right? You're in a battle for your own life. You're in a battle for your family. You're in a battle for your community. You're in a battle at the workplace. Like we're always in a spiritual 
battle, and our enemy's not flesh and blood. It's not against people, but there's a real enemy that's trying to tear down what God's wanting to build up in your life because you got a family to build, you got a marriage to build, you got an occupation to build, a career to build, a community to build, a team to build. If you teach kids at school, right, you've got a classroom to build. Like you've got all sorts of things that you're constantly building that God's using and God's placed you there. But whatever God's trying to build up, the enemy wants to tear down and will do anything and everything they can to distract you, to keep you from being where God wants you to be. So it's important that we have discernment. So I want to look in chapter 6 because this is what's happening right here, okay? They're continuing the work. Everybody's continuing to press on. But there's these guys who continue to attack. And this is the thing that I want you to see. The enemy is relentless. It's not just like a one-time thing. Now, the Scripture says this in James, that if you resist the devil, he will what? Flee. But it'll be for a season. It'll be for a time. They will be back. Right? There's constant attack. There's constant retaliation. And so it's important that we learn to stand and that we arm ourselves with the armor of God so that we can stand against the, the tricks or the schemes, the wiles of the devil, as uh, one translation says. So let's look here in Scripture in verses 1 through 4. And it says, Now when it happened, or it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, again, these were guys who were opposing the building of the wall. Remember, they were questioning, Nehemiah's character they were saying who gives you the right what are you trying to do like they began to mock the work that was being done they began to mock their God the one true God and so all these things we've seen throughout uh, the book of Nehemiah here they are appearing again in chapter 6 as the wall is near completion this is now it happened when Sembalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it Though at the time we had not hung the doors and the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, they sent word to him, come, let us meet together. Seems kind of simple. Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. Now, I heard this the other day. I heard another pastor say this, but he said, listen, whenever your enemies invite you to Ono, you say, oh, no, right? You know, it's like... So that's not the place that you want to go. But they, they, want, they wanted to invite him. It seemed simple. It seemed like, you know, it would be civil. Um, seemed like a, a reasonable ask that they were in, uh, extending to him. But they thought, listen to what it says right here again, okay? He says, they wanted to meet together in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me harm. Nehemiah, in other words, he sees right through that. Well, how does Nehemiah see right through that? Well, let's all say that word together. Discernment. Discernment. You're going to need discernment in your life. I'm going to need discernment in my life because there's going to be many crosswords. There's going to be crossroads. There's going to be many challenges that you and I face. There's going to be many opportunities, and we need to know which way is right. We need to know where to step. We need to know where to go. We need to allow God to illuminate our path, and we are very clear about this is what he's leading me to do. I get it. Sometimes there's not clarity. It's not crystal clear, but you have a good certainty. You have a good confidence, and you continue to walk in that, but we need discernment to determine what we are supposed to to do. And so this was one of the things that Nehemiah had. And in case you're wondering what discernment is, discernment is simply this. It's the ability to judge matters according to God's view of them and not according to the outward appearance. It's really to see them for what they are. Discernment is seeing things for what they really 
are, not what they appear to be. Listen to what Scripture says. It gives us a good illustration of this in, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, okay? Some of you may remember this story. Some of you may not. If not, go back and read 1 Samuel 16. But what had happened was, is Israel was looking for a king. God had taken his hand off Saul, who was the first king, and he was about to anoint another king. And he told Samuel, the prophet, right, the mediator between God and Israel at this time, he told them that I'm going to anoint a king, and he's going to come from Jesse's sons. And so he goes over to Jesse's house, and he begins to see his sons, and he looks around, and he's like, oh, that kid looks like a king, man. He's big and strong, and I bet people would follow him. And Man, he's just got a good appearance about him. He just kind of looks the part, if you will. And God, every time, would say, that's not the guy. That's not the guy. And so he says, listen, there's got to be somebody else. And so he asked Jesse, do you have any other kids? And he says, yeah, David, he's out there in the field. He's tending sheep, but he's young. And he says, well, go bring him. And as he brought them, uh, brought him into Samuel, God spoke to Samuel and said, that's the guy. But he didn't look the part. He didn't look like a king. He wasn't great to look upon or anything of that nature. But God said, this is the guy. And then it says this in, in verse 7. He says, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? God looks at the heart. God sees things for who, God sees people for who they really are, and God sees opportunities for what they really are. And in order for us to know what it is that God wants, we have to have discernment, the ability to see things the way that God sees things. Now, sometimes people confuse discernment with like being negative or being cynical, but discernment is just able to see the good where others might miss it, and it's able to see the bad where others are deceived by appearances, right? That's why so many people are led astray today. That's why so many people are taken off path, right? That's why so many people, when other uh, leaders and so on and so forth distort God's word, distort God's truth, and it sounds right, it seems right, but when you start looking in and filter it through the word of God, it does not line up, and God's word gives us discernment. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But if we're not careful, we can give in to what sounds good or looks good or what appears to be good. So we need discernment. It's important that we have discernment in our life. And Nehemiah had this discernment. So I think the question is this more, if you guys are still with me, say, I am. I think the question for us today is how do we develop discernment? How do we acquire discernment? Like if this is something that we need, if this is something that's necessary in our walk with Jesus, how do we acquire this? So if you take a note, you can write a few things down right here, okay? First, if you want to see things as God sees them, you got to get to know his word. You got to get to know his word. In other words, if you, want, if you want to see the world the way that God sees it, you've got to allow his word to be the lens that you look through. Culture can't define what you think or how you feel. God's word is true. It has absolute authority, and I'm going to stand on that. So that when culture says this, when culture says that, if it doesn't align with God's word, you know where I'm going to stand? In God's word. And that helps me discern what decisions I need to make and helps me to discern what things I need to do in order to honor the Lord, to keep walking with Him, to keep fellowship with Him, right? God's Word helps me discern. People tell me all the time, well, I think this, right? Or I feel this way, and it's like contradicting what God's Word says. We need to line our feelings up with God's Word, God's truth. There are times that I'm off to the right. 
There are times that I'm off to the left, and God's Word always brings me back to the center. Like when I allow myself to see the world and see culture and see decisions the way that God intended them, and I look and I allow God's Word to be the filter of my life, it aligns me with His truth. And so it's important that we're in God's Word. The reason that a lot of people are overcome and the reason that a lot of people are led astray, it's like they don't know God's Word. They don't know God's truth. It sounds right. It seems right. But isn't that a great lie? Is to give a little bit of truth and twist it and distort it. So that's why it's important as believers that we're grounded in God's Word. We can develop discernment. Like we know this is what God's Word says. Isn't it amazing? Like when you allow God's Word to permeate your heart and your mind, whenever you're faced with something, that truth is brought out. Like you may not necessarily set out to recite that verse or memorize that verse, but that's happened numerous times in my life, right? Even in conversations and things, God will bring about a scripture. It's like, how in the world did I remember that? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit is a teacher, right? And so God's working in our life. And so it's important that we know his word so that when we have opportunities and when we're faced with certain things that we can, we can look and we can discern. Now, again, sometimes I said there's decisions that we have to where both could be right, but we want to pick the right one, right? We want to make the best possible choice. And I always tell my kids, like when they were growing up, I was like, if you're ever in any doubt, before you do anything, ask this. Does this honor the Lord? Does this honor the Lord? That's a good starting point. And then the next question you can ask is, is this a wise choice? Does this honor the Lord? If it doesn't honor the Lord, then boom. I know what to say no to. It also helps me determine what to say yes to. And so we've got to start allowing ourselves to be formed and molded and shaped by God's truth and God's word. Second, here's the thing, is in order to develop discernment is that we've got to develop spiritual maturity. We've got to grow in our faith. In other words, we've got to grow up. When you give your life to Jesus, when you come to a point in time to where that you realize that you had sinned and fallen short, and you desperately needed God's grace, you couldn't work your way to God, you couldn't be good enough to get to God, and you understand God's truth that he sent his son Jesus, that Jesus wasn't just a figure, it's just not something imaginary that we talk about, that he was real, that he was God's son, that he literally was sinless, that he went to the cross, he shed his blood, he literally died, God raised him from the dead, sent it to heaven, one day he's coming back. Like when you really come to that reality and you grab a hold of that and God grabs a hold of your heart and changes your life, like then God's calling on your life is to grow, to mature. At that point in time, you just may have given your life to Jesus. You are what scripture refers to as a babe in Christ. You're in your infancy in a walk with Jesus. Here's the problem though. A lot of people have been believers for a long time and guess what? They're still wearing diapers. Come on now, come on. And the scripture says we've got to grow up. Now, here's the thing about spiritual maturity. A couple of things. Number one, it's not determined by your age. Like, there's a lot of people that know a lot of things about scripture, but listen, here's the truth of the matter. I would encourage us, all of us, take what we know, take what we learn, and begin to live it. You can know a lot about stuff and not do anything and not growing in your walk with Jesus, Okay. I'm not taking it. Knowledge is important. Knowledge is necessary. Bible study is great. Bible study is wonderful. 
But listen, let's begin to live this out. That's when you begin to grow. That's when you begin to experience God's power. That's when you begin to experience God's presence. When you begin to live out what God's called you and I, that's growing up spiritually. I love what Hebrews says. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. I don't know if we got it. I doubt we got it on screen. I didn't give Tyler this slide. This was just in my thinking this morning, and we went to it, and we're going to go back here today. But if you got your Bible, you can follow along. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. You all pray for me because this print is real little, and my eyes are really, really bad. I may have to pull out my phone and open up the flashlight right here. But anyway, we'll do the best, okay? It says, there is much more, right? The author's talking to the people here. We really don't know who the author of Hebrews is. Uh, I believe Paul wrote it, but, and there's a lot of reasons why, but we don't have to get into all that this morning. But anyway, there is so much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since, listen to what he says, you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. I mean, that's kind of like up in your face a little bit, isn't it? But he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do, what does it say? Doesn't know how to do what is what? Right. Discernment, right? Spiritually mature. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So we've got to grow up, right? We need to become spiritually mature. And that's the thing about it. Like if you are around a baby, like babies will stick anything in their mouth, will they not? Like I was sitting uh, at the ball game the other night on Friday night, and uh, I was there watching the district tournaments, and, and, and there was this young couple behind me, and they had a little a kid, a little baby, I guess probably about a one, one and a half, two. They were able to kind of maneuver a little bit on their own, and, and they had one of those ring pops. You know what I'm talking about? One of those ring pops, and they're wonderful, they're fantastic, and there ain't nothing wrong with a good ring pop sometimes, but anyway... All right, but this little kid had this ring pop, and man, they're just going to town on it and everything and enjoying it, and then all of a sudden, the inevitable happens, right? You know what's going to happen, right? They drop it, and it falls onto the bleachers, okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a high school basketball game or not. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of crud on them bleachers, right? And that little kid picked that thing up. I wasn't, I was like slow motion, right? You know, it's like, I was trying, oh, you know, that little kid picked it up, and it had all kinds of good on it. And he just went, put that thing in there. Hair sticking off. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like, that kid doesn't have to worry about vaccines or anything at this point, right? He got inoculated with everything that he's ever going to need right there in that moment. But, like, he wasn't mature enough to know, like, that is nasty. That is disgusting. I am not putting that in my mouth. All he knew that it was just a ring pop and it tasted good before and it probably would taste good thereafter. That's how a lot of believers are, right? We go back to things that deter us and detach us from being where God wants us to be. And a lot of times it's because we don't have discernment. We're not growing in our spiritual walk. And that's not to be mean. It's just to be challenging to us is that we should always have a desire to grow. We should always have a desire to know the Father, to have a walk with Him, to have a relationship with Him. It's just kind of like this. Like, I, 
I love sports, and, and I think that if you're going to play something, man, you ought to devout yourself to it, right? You ought to give it everything that you have. And, and when I played basketball, like, I played basketball all the time. We constantly worked on our game, and we did those things. I loved it. I'm passionate about it. Like, I still love it today. I still love to do those things because I wanted to be the best that I could possibly be. I wanted to do the best that I could possibly do. And I believe that's what God's called us to be as believers. I believe we ought to take that same passion and be the same way, have those same principles in our own heart and our own life. God, I want to grow. God, I want to know you, right? That's what Paul talked about in Ephesians 1. He said, I pray that you may know the God, like this God that I've experienced, this God that I've seen, this God that has went before us, this God that has moved, this God that has healed, this God that has restored. I pray that you may know him and experience his goodness. That's God's plan. That's God's desire. Nehemiah had grown in his faith. How did he grow? Well, he acted upon, right again, God called him. What did Nehemiah do? Did he sit at home? Did he sit around? Did he just kind of take off and just say, you know what? Hopefully somebody else will do it. No, he said, Lord, I'm willing. And as he continued to follow the Lord, you know what the Lord did? God provided. God was faithful over and over and over again. And you know what happened to Nehemiah's faith? It just grew because he was exercising, right? The scripture says you're to work out your salvation. Like again, when God saves you, forgives you, he puts the Holy Spirit in you, right? The Holy Spirit's living in you. And that from that point on, you're exercising your faith. And every time that you exercise your faith, your spiritual muscles grow. And you become spiritually mature. And again, here's the thing though, we got to be real careful because Paul said this, to the Philippian church, he says, not that I have arrived, because sometimes we can begin to think too highly of ourselves. And here's the reality. We, we don't know everything. We don't have it all figured out, right? God's a big God. God's a great God. There's a lot of things that I don't understand. There's a lot of things that I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. I just know that God's thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. And I'm going to trust him and I'm going to follow him and I'm going to serve him. And listen, I have to understand that every day is an opportunity to know him more and more and more. It doesn't matter that I've been pastoring and been in ministry for 28 years. So what? There's so much more to learn. There's so much more to do. There's so many ways that we can grow in our walk with Jesus. Don't quit growing. Don't quit growing. Seek out community. Seek out others. And man, allow God to continue to grow. If you guys are still with me, say, I am. So third, here's the other thing, okay? You guys are going to have to listen faster, okay? All right? Somebody got it back there, but anyway, it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. So here's the other thing. Here's the third thing about discernment. Is discernment is also a gift of the Spirit. Discernment is also a gift. Like some people are just naturally gifted with discernment. They can just see through things. Others of us, like we have to spend more time but other people just have that gift. And I believe it's something that we could seek. I believe it's something that we can ask the Lord to continue to give us and ask the Lord, right? We need to seek his wisdom, right? If you have not because you ask not. And again, we, we look and we understand that the body is made up of different parts and many believers and many different gifts. And, and we see that in 1 Corinthians 12. But I believe that we can seek these things out, that we can seek out his discernment, his wisdom, because again, discernment's important because without it, we can think a dangerous invitation from the enemy is really an offer of reconciliation. And it's important that we have wisdom. It's important that we have discernment. So when we began to walk in this way, we began to grow. Nehemiah had this and demonstrated this. He was able to see right through the plot. Now, 
just because, again, he denies this meeting, do you know what the enemy does? Do they just go away? No. The next thing they do is they begin to distract. You see, if the enemy can't destroy you, he will work really hard to distract you from doing and being what God wants you to be. God had given Nehemiah a mission, and God had given him uh, direction on what to do. And they're compelling him. When you read chapter 6, they're compelling. He said, I realized that they were trying to harm me, so I replied, sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work. Or another translation says, I'm doing a great work. And so he says, I can't come down. And that ought to be our heart. That ought to be our mind. That whenever we're faced with distractive things, like sometimes they can be good things. It's not the main thing. It's not the most important thing. There's things in our life. There's things in our marriage. There's things in our relationship. There's things in our walk with God that can distract us. I listened to a podcast the other day, and it says that Americans, all of us, right? I haven't researched myself to find out if this is accurate or not, but this is what they said on the podcast I was listening to. They're pretty credible, so uh, I, would, I would consider it to be true. But again, like I said, I haven't done the research for myself. But they said Americans have 30,000 distractions a day. That there are just things that happen, little things. Sometimes just say there are 30 thousand distractions that happen choices that you make within a day is this what i need to do is that what i need to do all these different types of things we're more bombarded than we've ever been before there's a lot of things that are biting for our time and our attention but listen to this he says four times they sent the same message and each time i gave them the same reply i'm reading and i can't see what verse that is but anyway awesome i believe it's verse eight or maybe i don't know y'all pray for me i don't know what, where am I at, Bill? Four, okay, all right, we'll go with the guy running the slides. Okay, all right, good deal. How about I just do this, okay? All right. Four times they sent me the same. It's, it's terrible getting older, right? You just can't. You try to put a screw in sometimes. That's awesome, too. But anyway, four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. The fifth time, Sam Ballot's servant came with me with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. Go ahead and, and play the next few verses. There's a rumor among, so again, they begin to spread some things. They begin to talk about Nehemiah, okay? There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. In other words, I mean, I'm going to go back and I'm going to share this. So I suggest that you come down and you talk it over with me. So again, what does the enemy do? He tries to put fear. He begins to spread rumors. He begins to say things. And listen, this is what I want you to know. The enemy will distract you. And listen, if you've ever been in leadership, and I told you when we started this, everybody in here is a leader in some capacity. You may not be the main one at work, but you are a leader. If you have a family, you are a leader, right? If you go to school, you are a leader. You always lead someone to somewhere, no matter who you are. And if, whenever you're taking on any leadership role, you best understand there will always be criticism. Some of you know this, right? Some of you had to lead projects at work. Some of you have coached. Some of you coach high school sports, middle school sports. Heck, some of you coach Little League, and you know that if you coach, you're going to receive what? Criticism. 
Guess what? If you preach, you're going to receive what? You can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. There's always these things that are said. And sometimes when you hear that things are said, I want you to notice what Nehemiah didn't do. Nehemiah didn't get on Facebook and, and state his case <laughs> and blast everybody out of the water. That's not what he did. He didn't go and start something about them and said, well, I heard this about Sanballat and, and Geshem and Tobiah. Like, I heard about these guys, and he doesn't go and create this whole other set of false rumors. doesn't do any of that. Why? He's spiritually mature. He's discerning. He understands it's an attack of the enemy. He understands it's an attack trying to keep them from building the walls. So what does he say? Tell these guys, I ain't got time for them. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay on the wall. And I'm going to keep fulfilling my calling. And you know what? That's what God's called you and I exactly to do. I'm doing a great work. And I don't have time to come down. When you determine what it is that God wants you to do, here, let, me, let me say this. First and foremost, make sure this is what God wants you to do and what God's leading you to do. Just because you're the leader doesn't mean you're always right. Can I get an amen? Doesn't mean you have all the answers. Doesn't mean that you're the smartest person in the room. But when you have clarity that this is the Lord. Because listen, sometimes we'll use, well, I believe this is God's will. We'll use that very loosely. We'll use God's will as an excuse to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it, and everybody's just going to have to be okay. Make sure that you discern this is the Lord leading me to do this. And if it's the Lord, then you stand firm. You stay on the wall. You don't get distracted. Listen, you need to understand, when you lead, you're not going to make everybody happy. There's going to be people who get upset when you do something, and there's going to be people who get upset when you don't do something. You can't avoid it. If you allow that to discourage you and deter you, right, you'll come off the wall every single time. This is too difficult. This is too hard. What's the use? I'm tired of it. But again, Nehemiah's got a great work. He serves a great God, and this is God's calling on his life, and I'm not coming down. There's too much at stake. Stay on the wall. Keep building. You need to understand, Jesus didn't please everybody. He was the Son of God. He was perfect in every way, and he did not please everybody. People got upset with Jesus all the time about things that he did. But he wasn't distracted. He stayed the course. That's why Paul said in Galatians 1.10, when he's telling the church of Galatia, he's setting some things straight because people were distorting the gospel. People were distorting how you had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They were adding all these rules and regulations. And Paul is setting the record straight and saying, that's not the gospel. That's not truth. You guys need to put yourself in check. And then he says in verse 10, did I come to please men or am I going to please God? And here's what you need to know. This is a great reminder for me. You can't please everybody. You need to write this down. You need to remember this. Because there's going to come some days to where that you just want to get off the wall. And you want to quit. You need to understand you can't please everybody, but you can please God. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. Do what God's called you to do. Determine it's the right decision. 
and stay on the wall. Don't allow distractions. No matter what's being said, no matter what's being circulated, stay on the wall. And watch God do something incredible. I want to share that last verse. I know I'm a little bit over. Again, I already called you guys out for listening slow today. So anyway, it's the people online's fault. But I love what it says at the last thing. It said that, and so in 52 days, the wall was completed. And all the nations, all the nations around us, all the people around us, it said our enemies in the surrounding nations heard about it. And listen to what it said. They were what? Frightened. Not because Nehemiah said, all right, you guys meet me out in the parking lot. We'll figure this out. They were frightened and humiliated. They realized the work had been done with whose help? With God. I want you to get that. It doesn't say Nehemiah was such an awesome leader. It doesn't say the people, man, were just so diligent, right? This happened. This took place. This miraculous event, right, was known to all around because of the work of the Lord. Again, the good hand of God. And as I read that today, I couldn't help but think about what Jesus said in the New Testament when he was telling Peter, he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I couldn't help, like, I just really believe God said in my spirit, it's like, we're that church. We're that people. I'm talking about believers. I'm not just talking about milestone. But the God, that God that said that, like, we're that church. It wasn't just the church then, but like the church, the family of God, the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling within the believers, right? As they're on the move, as they're rising and building and lifting up the hope and sharing the name of Jesus and drawing and compelling men and women, boys and girls, to know the King of kings and Lord of lords, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Because again, whenever he wants to open the door, he can open it. And when he closes it, he closes it. That's the God that we serve. And listen, I don't care if your life is in ruins today. The same God that redirected and rebuilt those walls using God's people is the same God that will move in your life today if you surrender it to him. So we're going to have a time of prayer today. Some of you need to take a next step and give your life to the Lord. Some of you have been on the fence and straddling it. Today, God's wanting you to surrender. I need to lay this down. I need to surrender my life. I put my faith and trust in Jesus today. You need to do that today. Some of you have been thinking about that for a while. You need to do that today. Some of you need to take a next step. I've given my life to the Lord, but I need to take a next step in baptism, right? I want to take my faith public, and this is just in obedience to the Lord. Some of you, God's put a calling on your heart and your life. Maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody. Maybe there's something that you uh, just reminded of today that, listen, you thought about getting off the wall, and God's reminded you, stay on the wall. Keep building. Don't quit. Hold on. Whatever that is today, then let's let the Lord have freedom here this place today. If you're online today, just right where you are. If you're in the overflow room, just right where you are today, right? Just allow God to be God in this moment and this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that there would be a spirit of freedom here in this place today. God, thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would move greatly in our lives. Lord, I pray that we too, that that thing that Paul shared in the book of Ephesians, that his prayer for the church of Ephesus to know God, Lord, I, that's my prayer, God. I, first and foremost, for my own personal heart and my own life. 
Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to grow. Lord, I, I want you to move. I want you to stretch me. Lord, I want you to break me. Lord, I get that it, sometimes it's uncomfortable and sometimes it's hard. And sometimes, Lord, I don't have all the answers. But that's okay, God, because you go before us and that you're with us. And Lord, my role and responsibility is to continue to follow you, to continue to trust you in my own personal life, in my family, in my relationships, with my uh, in my church. God, just help me to continue to grow. Help our church, Lord, know you. Help our community know you, God. This is something you desire, you want. Lord, help us to be working on the wall, that we are doing something bigger. It's bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than our career. It's bigger than what we have going on, our hobbies, Lord. It's bigger, Lord. We're pointing people to you. And Lord, we're ministering and we're, we're sharing hope with those around us. So God, use us. Help us to be faithful in that. Help us to be mindful. Help us to be discerning in that, Lord. Help us to choose what's right. And Lord, I pray that you have your way. So whatever decisions need to be made this morning, Lord, I pray that again, you just give us a freedom. Some need to pray. Some just have some burdens that are in their life today. God, and I pray for your favor. I pray for your healing. I pray for your restoration today. And Lord, I pray that you be lifted up and glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said this morning, amen. Let's stand and let's sing.